0: Happy New
1: Year. If you're down to get fisted, then I'll know
2: Mm -hmm. that
1: you're evil and twisted. Lubrication is the only way to fit my fist in. Kind of like horseplay. Well, there's a fist in a fucking ass. And my fingers flex in this glove, and if you can't be with the one you love, honey, love the one who fists, love the one who fists, love the one who fists, love the one who fists. Welcome to it's on the. Love the, love the I like that
2: you went with love, the, like love the one who fists, and not love the one you fist.
1: Just in yeah, interesting. Yeah, well. It's 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 a subtle If I can give a note on <laughs> Please no, please, please enlighten me. What is what's the big what's the big key here that I'm missing?
2: Uh, I just think that the perspective of the song should be shifted slightly from the person doing the action from the person receiving the action to the person who's doing the action. I think Let's, do it, more... okay, Let's yeah, do it I'm again. Okay, yeah. I'm ready to go. Do, it, brother.
1: Let's do it again. Okay, one yeah. sec. Let's do it one more time. Ready? Take fucking two, round two, here we fucking go. Yeah. Perspective switch. If you're down to get fisted, then I'll know that you're evil and twisted. Lubrication is the only way to fit my fist in. Kinda like horseplay.
0: Well there's a fist
1: in a fucking ass And my fingers flex in
0: this glove
1: And if you can't be with the one you love Honey, love the one you fist Love the one you fist Love the one you fist
0: Love the one you fist
2: Love the one you fist
1: Oh, was that was that any better?
2: I like that a little better. Just a touch.
1: Keep them both in. We'll let the audience decide. Yeah,
2: start. no no no, yeah. We're going to put the Instagram poll um on when this episode drops and just vote version 1 or version 2. Don't spoil the secret for anyone else that hasn't listened to the show, but version 1 or version 2, folks.
1: Version 1, Noah's uh very smart and very cool method Version two, Mason's uh, noted network version uh, yes. of the song. Yeah. So yes. that's a good, that's a little mnemonic device to if you remember <laughs> yeah. which one is version one and which one's version two. <sighs>
2: Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. thinking it's the new year. I'm yeah, thinking I'm thinking it. it's the new year. I'm thinking it's the new year. Started with a bang. Got Noe's Literally. birthday. We got a uh, fascist insurrection.
1: I don't know which one was funnier. To be yeah, honest truly. With you.
2: Which one had which one had more bits? Do you think?
1: Um, again, audience, you guys decide. We'll run a second poll <laughs> on the
2: Instagram.
1: Uh, version one will be my 24th birthday, and version two will be uh, Trump supporters trying to do an insurrection <laughs> on Capitol Hill. Uh, yeah. Little mnemonic <laughs> device for you to remember which one is version one and which one is version two. That's a separate poll, by the way. That so is make sure okay. you on both. I'll...
2: Future Mason, make sure that you've made a note of this On your notes app to post
0: those polls <laughs>
2: um, Mason What's up,
1: what's up? Welcome to It's On The List A podcast Hello. about underrated music and movies I am, of course, the now 24-year-old yes. Funny-talking baby Noah Marger Just freshly 24 And with me as always Sleepy Joe Biden himself The man from La Mancha, the man with the motherfucking plan, Hello, my man on the, what side of Chicago do you live on, the east side of Chicago?
2: Northwest side, there's no east side of Chicago, that's the lake.
1: My man from the east side of Chicago, (laughs) Mason McGuire, what is up Mace, how you doing? Hello,
2: hello, fresh from the bog, fresh from the, I had to get out, it was freezing, it was very chilly, chilly, chilly. Uh, but sure. not chilly, so that the ice is sticking. There is snow on the ground; it is melting, unfortunately. But I think we're gonna get a new one, new thing of snow towards the middle of next week, or I guess beginning of this this current week. Who knows? I am doing well. Had a nice, relaxing Christmas and into the new year. How are you doing, buddy? How's 24 feeling?
1: 24 is feeling fresh, brother. 24 is feeling fresh. Uh, when you say snow, you have your version of what snow means for you. When I think of snow, I think of what my version of snow is for me. Snow is is very relative, which is cocaine. Snow is very relative to where you grew up, what region you grew up in, what your, uh, you know, apparently what your upbringing was apparently (laughs) as well. So when you think of snow and when you say snow, what comes to mind for you? I'm just, I'm literally just curious. Uh,
2: I think the closest, and this is why this movie will always have a power to me, even if I can recognize its flaws, uh, the end of the uh, Bing Crosby movie, White Christmas, okay. when the barn opens on Christmas Day or Eve or whenever, and it's like freshly falling snow, and there's like this wonder and this majesty to this new landscape that's coming into, to wipe the slate clean at the end of the year. It just started on a fresh plate at the beginning of the year. Um, that's what snow means to me. Preferably. Is it coming
1: down hard? Is I've never actually seen White Christmas, so like describe. Oh, okay. Is it like coming down no, hard? Is it, it like down flakes? Very easy. Because if it comes, nice. it
2: does. I you know uh, you do uh, experience. I will say a couple blizzards being where I'm from. Sure. A, you ha- or you have, and they're not scary. It's like kind of. It's one of the unless it's like very violent. It's it's very comforting just to be like kind of. That's why I like about snow the most is it's very quiet, but it makes its presence clear.
1: That's a very interesting, that's a very poetic way to talk about snow, Mason. I like that.
2: What's your, so what's your, being from Beaver? Being from the north, being from Beaver, Oregon, and then going, yeah. spending a significant amount of time in Southern California, which did give me an anxiety attack because there was not snow in the winter, so I couldn't tell the difference sure. in the seasons. But anyways, what does snow mean to you?
1: Uh, so there was no snow in Southern California, uh, which might be shocking to some people, but maybe not. Mm. Uh, but in Pacific Northwest, where I'm from <clears throat> originally and where I am currently, snow is kind of this weird thing where, like, once every seven years, we get a lot of snow, like a shit ton mm. of snow, and it's like... Sticks really hard, and it's like clumpy, and it just sort of sucks in general. Like it's not fun. Like the city doesn't know how to deal with snow. So like, if there, the more snow that there is, the more of a fucking problem it is. Right. Like that is literally, that is literally what happens. Like one inch of snow little flurries, and, like, the buses freak out. They don't know what to do. The roads are not, like, designed for it. Like, people just freak out. We get a shit ton of rain here, and, you know, obviously in Southern California, rain is almost, like, the equivalent to what snow is, I feel like, in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just a huge fucking problem. But when I was a kid, I loved it. Like, I just love, like, you know, oh, snow. (laughs) Snow on the ground. Let's, Let's fucking go, everyone. It's snow. So... That's my, that's my experience with snow, but I don't know. It's different for everyone, and some people yeah, don't yeah. experience snow in their life, and some people experience it a lot. I was born in Cleveland. I don't know if you knew that,
2: actually. I, I didn't know that, Ohio. actually. That would explain why you love the character of Cleveland Brown so much.
1: That would be... That would expl- explain it all, because if you're born somewhere, you love it. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, we apparently there was a shit ton of snow there, and I think <clears throat> there continues to be a shit ton of snow in Cleveland. My parents would like to tell me about how... You got to get the snow shovel out. You got to shovel the snow. And I'm like, that's hilarious. That is hilarious. Thinking about snow shovels. That is really funny. So that's, that's, I just wanted to know that you can do whatever you want with that information. I was just curious.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you know what? We might just have, you're going to have your first two. You're going to be on the Instagram story. It's going to be slides and polls. And then maybe the last one is what's your association with snow? And you can drop a message. Let us know what you, how you feel about snow. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see if I get around to putting that note in my computer uh, <laughs> Wait, because we do we get, actually. We get to the album and the movie, today.
1: Mason, I think we have a new segment we're debuting
2: today, don't we? That's correct. I forgot. Almost <laughs> forgot. And I was the one that pitched the segment. So, um, folks, welcome to the very first installment: New Year, New Us, New Segment: uh, The Shit Report.
1: the theme song of the shit report what's the theme song that's is that la law that's that theme song or is that just the? a oh no it's actually just the. it literally is just the law and order
2: theme song that i'm thinking of that oh you want is, so you want the music drop to be the law and order themes yes i kind of okay. do
1: but you know we'll figure it out that's what i like that's what okay. i like okay. you don't have to do that though but mason how have your shit's been
2: uh pretty good i had one really rough one when i got some uh takeout a couple days ago but for the most part i've been eating my vegetables i've been you know uh drinking water staying hydrated getting like my whole grains in so it's been nice and good and regular and easy for the most part you've been shitting regular i love to hear i have been shitting regular yeah
1: Man only has to—he's—he's—he's fu- n- He's a- He's pushless. It just one simple little push, and it all yep. comes fucking out. Yep. So- nice healthy turds too. <laughs> so when, so as you're, as you folks are listening to this, the week it comes out, uh, it'll be a week since my birthday. But as we're recording this, it is my birthday week currently. Yeah. And so you know, celebrating. There's not a lot you can do. Uh, with covid-19 being a thing and it being your birthday and i'm actually fortunate in the regard that this is my only this is only my first lockdown birthday lockdown didn't occur right. you know before my birthday cuz i'm b- birthday so early on in the year but what do you do instead you get some fucking yummy food in you from a restaurant that you like because our country is kind of open kind of not so you can just get food from wherever you want i guess yeah mm-hmm And Mason, my father gave me a card that I think is going to be very helpful Mm. in sort of understanding maybe not the shit report itself, but what sort of comes before the shit report. I would say it's more of a fart Mm. report in in a way.
2: Okay, so this is Matt's card that we were pulling out here.
1: (laughs) This is Matt's card. This is what happens before Matt breaks out his lunch (laughs) as he gives you Matt's card. I'm going to show you the title, but for the folks at home, it says... Does birthday cake make you fart? And I think I sent you this uh, you did. in the DMs. Yes.
2: You did DM um, this to me almost as soon as you got it, which I was really happy with.
1: So I'm just gonna go through the I'm just gonna go through the card. It's actually quite long. So here, so here we go. Uh, does birthday cake make you fart? And then in parentheses, everything you ever wanted to know about flatulence, but were afraid to ask. Hey, kind of a Kind of a cool thing to write on a card Especially that you're giving to your 24 year old son Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you open the card And there's some nice illustrations As you can see a professor and a little dog Talking Mm -hmm. maybe you are in this Maybe you're the talking dog in this Mason who knows (laughs) But the first page says Flatulence Or farting has been a source Of embarrassment and humor since mankind First cut one loose in front Of others why has the Expulsion of excess gas through the intestinal tract than such a universal and timeless timeless laugh-provoking phenomenon. Scientists have pondered this question and have broken down farts into six categories, Mason. Here we go. This is a very ambitious
2: birthday card. <laughs> this is
1: but... fucking insane, dude. No,
2: this is like, and I want the folks to realize this is not something that Noah wrote himself. This was legitimately a <laughs> card you could pull off the Hallmark rack at like Walgreens or something. This is a That's real a... deal birthday card.
1: That is exactly where my dad got this. Is at a fucking Walgreens. That is honestly like in the Pacific Northwest. We actually just got a CVS by our house, but Walgreens sure. is the spot. You know, that's like Walgreens is that the spot. and yeah. that and Rite Aid are sort of your big options through. Yeah, I don't stores. want to
2: flex too hard, but when I was growing up, we had a Walgreens and a CVS across the street from each other, and it was just a matter Damn. of which direction you were traveling, which one you were going to go into. Well,
1: the CVS that literally just got put in is literally like half a mile closer to my house than the Walgreens is. So you're now gonna it's going to be CBS a CVS. Time, That's exactly right. Get a one Diet Pepsi Max and one bag of orange combos. But here we go. We're about to dive into the six categories of farts here. On it's on the list. Yeah. If you're keeping track at home, this is fart number one. Mason, one finger, please. Thank you. Fart number one, the Carbonator. Decades before the invention of the hot tub, flatulent people in the bathtub were enjoying bubbles of their own making. And as to swimming pools, do you think that people who pee in the pool would even think twice about farting in it? I can't fucking believe this. This is a real card that my real ass dad gave me on
2: <laughs> That my your birthday. dad spent time in the aisle, like, reading.
1: <laughs> he, he is a fucking guy for this one. All right, Mason, fart type number two. Fart number two the trumpet one or more often a series of loud farts that vary in pitch and tone is what researchers call quote the trumpet with practice and proper diet simple musical compositions can be performed Preferably at an outdoor amphitheater. wow uh, uh, Go to the Hollywood <laughs> Bowl for
2: the for the fart concert. <coughs> featuring for
1: for sweat drop, sweat drop, sweat drop for Kathy, worrying that she's gonna do a trumpet during the John Williams tribute concert. Pre-COVID, of course. Yes. Yes. Uh, Mason, fart type number three. Can fart I get number, number three. three?
2: Halfway through. Halfway
1: through. <laughs> this is perhaps. Okay. I'm sorry. I have to tell you. This is a classic one, Mason. You're familiar with it. I'm familiar with it. Everyone who listens to the show is familiar with it. Number three is the silent but deadly or oh, yes. Yes. the SBD. Mm-hmm. This is perhaps the most dangerous of all farts. <laughs> it's like the ninja of past gas. Yeah. Without any warning, the SBD's foul fumes, foul fumes quickly spread, creating panic and destruction in its deadly wake. The unknown origin of an SBD results in denial and accusations. Oh my god. Typically the person who did it tries to blame it on the dog. Wah,
2: wah. And I did notice that there's a little dog cartoon in this card. Is the is the uh, oh, he's like giving the dog a look.
1: Yeah, well the dog's looking. fucking the dog's fucking lifting up its leg, farting, a little fart cloud is coming yeah. from the dog's ass. I just the wanna say also asshole. I just wanna
2: yeah. say also, this is a very ambitious card for a number of reasons, but they think that they're going to break the rule of three by doubling it.
1: They are not they are breaking it so hard that they're actually completing it in a way. Yeah. Because the second rule of three really fucking gets you. And now I'm going to move on to fart type number four. Four. So. Four. Mm-hmm. The Big Wet One, or the BWO. The human body is a complex, mysterious, often disgusting... (laughs) I love to think of my body as a fucking disgusting mess. Uh, When it vents gas, sometimes other things are expelled as well. (laughs) As well. Stinky wet things. Accompanying with it, it's distinct wet sounds. Nothing can empty a room or fill your pants as quickly as... As a BWO, so Mason, I'm gonna break this down for you real quick in a sort of analysis way. Mm-hmm. This is the first fart where you actually shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> is is that fair to say? Did I read that correctly?
2: I think no. I think that the, uh, a plus there. I think that's an A plus read. One right on the right on the nose.
1: Thank you, Chef. Number five. This is the second to last. This is the penultimate. Can I get a number five, Mason?
2: Number five. Thank you, Chef.
1: The (laughs) oopsie-daisy. Try as you might. Sometimes you just can't help but bust a little wind, often at the most inappropriate times and places. The oopsie-daisy, also known as the excuse me, (laughs) most frequently occurs in the workplace, elevators, and fine restaurants. Mm. And it's usually followed by blushing and a sheepish grin. And then, as Mm. you can see, Mason, the dog... Is like a little sick to its stomach, and the yeah, the guy is sort yeah, of like, "Oh, that's yeah. gross that you fucking farted, you vile animal."
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. It's are you sad. ready
1: for Are you ready for the last and final type of fart to round out? Did this birthday cake make so, you fart? This
2: has been so detailed the the various types of farts. I just can't wait to see what they're gonna drop on us, and then just you know, the cards over. There's your cash. You know, that's what we're going <laughs> here.
1: Well, Mason. Yeah to drop that bomb on you. Mm-mm. The sixth and final type of fart is the old fart and that's you. What? I know. Absolutely fucking disgusting that my dad would give that to me.
2: You know, in his review for the movie or in a, in a later review, Roger Ebert referred to the film The Usual Suspects as a long trip for the short for a short day at the beach. Sure. That's kind of how I feel about that particular card and that <laughs> joke. <laughs>
1: I kind of agree with Roger Ebert's assessment of the Usual Suspects, and yeah, it's, yeah, I agree with your assessment of that card, and that is why I read it on the air, because I don't value your time, and I don't value the <laughs> listener's <laughs> time either. So, no. that is my shit report for the week. I've okay, uh, been eating great. birthday cake for the last three days. Hell yeah. Uh, that's about all you need to know. Uh, great. That's
2: it. <laughs> so, So, it smells uh, like rainbows when it's coming out the other end.
1: Smells uh, like a fucking disgusting, <laughs>
2: putrid
1: mess that I just can't describe with words. I can only describe <sighs> with sounds. And that sound would have to be a, uh, oh boy, is what I would describe what's going on on the other end of that. But, Mason. Yes. I think, that's, I think that's enough with the shit report. I'm happy we did it, though.
2: I'm so done. I'm so ready. <laughs> To move on from the shit report, oh boy. Okay, so is it time to get into the meat of the show now?
1: The meat and potatoes, baby. Let's get yes, into brother. it. Uh, this is a this is a this is a two two chef only special today. We got a mason. Yeah, what if album. we had a,
2: someone else here who was very quiet for <laughs> twenty minutes
1: while <laughs> we, we did our bullshit? It. It's like fucking Rocky or something, just sitting there for twenty minutes. We turned his mic off, so even if he wanted Rocky to say would not be able
2: to be quiet for twenty minutes. <laughs> He was like it's Chris a... Chalakian or, or Jake Allen Bogan, actually. I think if Jake was it's... on, he would be quiet for 20 minutes.
1: I mean, that is a big Jake move to be quiet for 20 minutes and then just be like, hey, guys, how's it going? <laughs> He's never going to hear this. <laughs> so uh, this is a Mason's album. Noah movie. Mason, yeah. what are we listening to today?
2: So this, so this week, to, p- to pull back the curtain, a right. bit. 2021. I'm declaring it. I've declared it to close friends. I've declared it to family. 2021, folks, is going to be the year of the stinker. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like right now, but I'm, I'm staking my claim in it. And I think I start. I wanted to get a head start on this. And so when we were coming up with the content of the show this week, Noah was like, what do you want to talk about for the music section? And I took some time to deliberate about it. And I was like, what I want to do is something different, something different for this new year. And I suggested talking about a single song the first time we would ever do that uh and yes. we'll talk about that song later but noah was rightfully and i will say <laughs> rightfully like there's no way we can talk about a single song it was this <laughs> particular song, and i was very stubborn about it for about half a week and then i i relented and just said no like as much as i love this particular song i am kind of interested in what else is around it because i don't have as much of familiarity with it um so why don't we just do the album we were both going to listen to the full thing, anyways. I think just to get a, a, a taste of it. But in any case, the album this week, folks. Long walk to a short trip at the beach. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if that if that was if that was a long walk to a short trip at the beach, yeah, I don't even yeah. want to know what the fucking. Uh, car was. The that album was...
2: this week is "Room Inside the World" by the Montreal-based art punk band Aute.
1: Snap! 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 Snaps for me. I'm holding my mic. Mason's got a crane, so he can actually clap because he mm-hmm. is cool. Um, yeah. Mason. Hey, you said to me, we got to just talk about one song. We got to just talk about this one song that's on this album. And I was like, you know what? I love the, uh, I love the ambition of that. I just don't know how that works, but we can still talk about this song, but I am curious Mason, how this song and that you really want to talk about. And I guess by proxy, this album sort of came into your life. So give me that story.
2: So the song that came into my life, the song that we're going to talk about, uh, it was an algorithm pick. Um, nice. I feel I had heard at least tracks cause I feel like this album came out in, tw- so this album in particular came out in 2018 and during the time that it came out, I am, I was for sure working, uh, at a job and I was just like looking at not even reading content, just looking at music blogs and stereo gum in particular. And sure. at that time they had like, you know, kind of a, what we're listening to tab on the left so, or the right side of the page. And this album was on there at some point. And so I gave it, I think. I can't remember where my entry point was for this particular album, but I listened to it and it was kind of like, I get what they're going for, but it's not really what I'm into at this time. And then in July of 2019, uh, the algorithm uh, dropped one of the songs into my lap again. And I listened to it and I was like, this is a pretty good song. And then what happens to me sometimes with things that I end up falling in love with is it's like, it doesn't make any immediate impression right away, but I just, find myself returning to it kind of compulsively and so i listened to the song does uh i'll just say it desire by odd kind of nonstop through the end of that particular year i think it was my number one song on that spotify end of the year list thing and uh yeah basically it was an algorithm thing uh and i again never thought to come back to this particular to the full album because while i listened to um odds previous two albums in a particular um I forget what it is called, but the album that "Beautiful Blue Sky" is on. I Listen to that one a lot, and that song "Beautiful Blue Sky." This kind of just became a band that I really uh, came back to at, with some frequency. Um, but yeah, but Noe, yeah, I am curious if you, you had heard anything from this band um, prior to a certain point.
1: So the album that you were referring to is called "Sun Coming Down," which was their previous Thank you
2: album. Very much, yes.
1: You're welcome, Chef. Uh, so, Room Inside the World. So I found out about this song that you are so obsessed with, Mason, called Desire, through you, actually. Um, You, I want to say, beginning of lockdown, maybe it wasn't March, maybe it was April, maybe you have a better idea of when you posted this thing. I Um, think it was
2: February, actually. I know exactly what you're talking about. Was it February? Okay, so it was pre-lockdown then.
1: Uh, Mason is back in The Illinois area I'm still in LA at this point and we're getting ready to fire up you know do season two of it's on the list and I'm scrolling through Instagram one day and Mason posts a video of him dancing to a song and I was very surprised I did not think that you had that in you at that time because (laughs) you got to remember you got to remember here guys Mason and I really only still were getting to know each other at that yeah. point because yeah. we still hadn't really known each other that well. We had done 15 episodes of the podcast while Mason was still in L.A. and I was still in L.A. Uh, well, we were both in L.A., I guess, for lack of a better term. And then he you know, flew the coop, and I was like, man, I'm only going to see this guy on you know Skype or whatever or Zoom right. or whatever. Uh, and I did not take you as the kind of guy – to make a video of you dancing and post it on Instagram. And not only did you do that, you put little text that floated in and around the video when certain lines some fun would come with up.
2: I had some fun with it. I will I will say that, like, at that time, I was feeling particularly locked down because I was staying in the suburbs and I felt like I had somewhat of limited mobility. And I just wanted to do a little dance, you know? And I was having fun, like, with editing software that was on my laptop. and wanted to just drop a little something on the... But that is nuts. I didn't think about how soon in our particular friendship that came. Like, that was still a fairly early impression.
1: (laughs) Well, you said when you were talking about your relationship to the song Desire by Ott, which is on this album, Room Inside the World, from 2018, you were saying that you sort of rediscovered it in July of 2019, which is a month before you and I officially met and recorded the first episode of It's on the List. So it was sort of... Percolating in and around the time that we had first met, which was crazy because I had never heard you talk about it. i never heard you mention it before. But then all of a sudden, one day in February of 2020, Mason posts this video on Instagram with the song Desire by Ott. And I was like, damn, this song fucking rocks. This song is so fucking good. I'm shocked Mason is the <laughs> one who posted it on Instagram. But I was like, damn, okay, props to Mason McGuire for that one. So... I went on Spotify, and I looked at the song, and I sort of looked at what ought was, because I'd never heard of it, and, you know, the first thing that I think you think about when you listen to this song for the very first time and hear it for the first time is Tim Darcy's vocals, because the vocal performance on this song is just out of this world. But I didn't really dig into the rest of the album, really. I, you know, sort of listened to Desire... And then I maybe listen to a song here or there, but none of the songs were as good as Desire. Desire is definitely the crown jewel of Room the, Inside yeah. the World. It's it's know? a
2: song that I kind I kind of have to listen to the song almost every day, just for my own mental health. You know, sure. just have a little desire time chunked out, no matter the time of year, no matter the mood. It really is like it's a very important song. me and it's it's just came into my life so recently also but um no I I love the song and I'm glad you loved it too so you had not heard this full album until we were getting the show together I'm gonna take it then
1: I hadn't heard the full album I had heard pieces here and there I had heard the first song and maybe even parts of the second song but I was like doesn't really sound like desired I don't really have like a real interest in Sort of furthering my knowledge of Ott, I'm pretty content with just sticking with this song because the song is so good. And I will say, if you also listen to my favorite podcast, when I did my solo episode about movies that make me thankful, uh, I actually used "Desire" by Ott for the opening intro sequence. I, it's under me, sort of previewing the episode, and sort of pr- under me previewing what I'm going to talk about. And it actually ended up working out like really well. I didn't plan to use that song underneath for me talking about, you know, previewing the episode or whatever, but it just sort of worked out as far as like how much time I spent talking before I got into the episode, the meat of the episode, how the song sort of crescendos because the song, you know, has a very powerful end to it. The last minute of the song is like a pure like explosion of euphoria and like just feeling. And so it ended up working out really nicely. You know, I let the song play out, but I really dig this song, and so digging into this album, I was hoping, Mason, yeah. that the album would rise to the level of this song. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, maybe Ot's the best band that I'm not listening to right now. You know what right, I mean? Sure,
2: mm-hmm. I understand so. that, and I think that what's in reading like kind of reviews of this this particular album it's mentioned as kind of a fulcrum point and they haven't had an album come out since then and there hasn't really been any new music as far as i know even on like the tim darcy front uh he had a solo lp that came out in 2017 so the year before this particular album came out but this song if you listen to Ott's earlier stuff it's very punky and very like kind of um spastic and rhythm based. i even see even though there is some um there's there's an odd characteristic there that makes it still like a band I think worth listening to on the whole, but if you're going into this album expecting every song to listen to, to you listen to to sound like desire, I think you are gonna find that it's gonna come short, which is why I think it's good to talk about the album as a whole because on listening to this, I found that there were a lot more songs on this that I really I don't think it quite passes the, the Mason test, but. Um, I mean, just in terms of, like, putting it in the pantheon, this is still an album that I ended up, like, loving a lot, honestly. Sure. Um, and I ended up really falling for tracks like Disgraced in America and Disaffectation, uh, and Take Everything on this. Um, listen to a little bit of these three things also. Even if I think, it just, giving time to those four songs, which I would have, like, completely dismissed almost. Um, I really found that, that, um... Uh, a worthwhile use of use of my time here. That doesn't sound like a great <laughs> recommendation. <laughs> oh, this is not worth. This is like worth your time.
0: <laughs> yeah, this
2: um, is
1: this is something that you you know whatever. Who gives a shit? Yeah, about this?
2: no, but I really I, I I um I think that the uh, the Tim Darcy of this is really what's what's like keeps me coming back. I think he's such a a interesting songwriter, interesting, like kind of centerpiece for a band, just because there's barely a song where he has like the same, like kind of vocal approach to his performance. And I think that's really interesting.
1: So I want to, I want to hop on, hop on there and talk a little bit about Tim Darcy's uh, vocal stylings, vocal approach here. Uh, There's four songs on this album that I gave hearts to on Spotify. I actually started doing, I don't know if you coined this method, Mason, but going along and just hearting the things I like when I listen to something because it yeah. makes it easier to sort of keep track uh, of what you like and sort of what really stands out to you on an album, especially when you have to talk about it on the show. Yeah. So I've actually adopted that method from you, believe it or not. Uh, so thanks, Chef. But <laughs> the, f- the four songs that I like the most on this album, in order, number one, Desire. I- it is the clear favorite on the album, I think, right. for me at least. right. Uh, and the way, and the reason why it is so interesting and the reason why it stands out so much to me is because of Tim Darcy's vocal styles and the way that everything sort of crescendos at the end. But it's so unexpected when you're listening to it because he goes from this sort of like, it's like a cleaner Sid Vicious vocal stylings I feel like like it sounds like the thing is that he's like a Pee- he's like Pee-wee Herman in, when he sings in the sense that that's sometimes great. yeah <laughs> that's sometimes great. he sometimes he just sort of like you know exists on one plane and you can kind of understand exactly what he's saying but then when he's most interesting to me is when you know Pee-wee kind of talks up here sometimes like this and then he talks down here like this ah you know or yeah, whatever yeah exactly and, mm-hmm peewee's most interesting to me when he's going ah you know on his show uh or just in general when paul rubens is doing that character and that to me is when i really am like feeling it because he sounds like a more interesting version of king cruel to me do you listen to king cruel i get that
2: i get that no i get that and i i i think that is a fair comparison I was yeah, I think it's a fair comparison because I was trying to think of who like contemporary this guy reminds you of, and King Cruel's in there, yeah, definitely. I like that. Do you listen to Cruel at all? Uh, somewhat. I really liked um the ooze, and then when uh King cruel is one of those guy uh an al- an artist where I heard one song and got really attached to that song, and that song was Easy Easy. Back oh in yeah, the that's. 18-
1: That's his best song. I'm with their, I'm on that tip with you 100%. (laughs)
2: All right. All right. Yeah. So that's a, I think that's a great song. And I honestly, I think the ooze is a really strong album. Uh, The album that came out last year needs to give a re-listen to, but on the whole, I think that that's a fair comparison.
1: So he's got a, like you know he's got a very interesting vocal style but desire is definitely my favorite track on this album. Uh, it's like listening to like I get you know pick any King Cruel song for me at least but I just think more interesting, more layered. Then you have Disgrace in America that Mason was talking about just a second ago. To me that almost has some like Suffragette City Bowie vibes to it. Like, it's got sort of like a real knockabout attitude to it. It's got like a real bite to it. But it's still a little cleaner. It's still a little more polished. And I'm not saying that in any bad sense of the word at all. That's just how it comes across. And that Bowie song in Suffragette City, Suffragette City, however you say it, it sounds garbled and it sounds you know like very like mossy almost like there's something like like a top layer of like film over like the guitar tracks and stuff but this you don't i don't feel the same way i feel like it's very produced and very you know you can hear every single note that everyone's playing
2: yeah yeah right it's and there's a pace to this song that's a little more um the first the first I love the first couple lyrics here, which is um, uh, birds fly around all the dividends pay, birds fly around and I'm looking for change and it's just like this kind of pace of for me at least, when I hear this I feel like I'm walking around like Grant Park or downtown Chicago or something. And you just see like just this this nature scene like you know birds flying around and stuff and there's just these kind of other like humanly in- things going on, uh, money problems and stuff like that. To me, I wrote this down that it's like you're you're kind of walking around and feeling like an imposter almost. That was my interesting particular song, particularly song. Um, but yeah, I, I like that. That's that's one of my that was one of my hearts on this one too.
1: And then I also really like the the first track on the album Into the Sea. Um, oh okay. I I think that that, again, it's got a little bit of that King Cruel vibe, but I think I enjoy it a little bit more. And then the last song that I really enjoyed on this album, and these are the four songs that I gave my little heart to while I was listening to it, are These Three Things. And that one, to me, actually sounds more like a James Murphy joint. That one to me sounds a little bit more oh, like LCD yeah. sound system to me. And that's some one of the only songs on the album or at least one of the only songs that I cared to remember on the album where I felt that way where it feels like it sort of breaks away a little bit, you know, and like it has its own sort of like texture to it whereas I think everything else on the album sounds somewhat homogenous in the sense that like this very much sounds like like, ought throughout. Whereas this song, yeah. I think, stands out as, like, a black sheep, not in a bad way, but just, like, in a, oh, this feels inspired by something else. This feels like they're trying to do something different. These This feels like they're trying to say something different. So that's, for me, what I liked about this album. I think that when it works for me, it's working for me. Every other track that I didn't mention on this, probably not going to come back to, to be totally honest
2: with you. That's fair. Yeah, I think that this is a... um Um, I can understand that. And I think that, um, you know, I really, the other songs that, uh, I really liked that weren't mentioned there earlier by you, Disaffectation, Take Everything in Pieces Wasted. Uh, Disaffectation is like a kind of fun, just spastic, like kind of dance song. I love the lyric there. That's, um, it's, it's a song about, uh, what does it say? Uh, oh yeah. It's like, um you could buy like your drugs on a cell phone and it makes you feel alive. Like the only thing that's keeping you going is this feeling of being disaffected or something, which is very much like connected to just sort of, um, uh, 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 kind of post-punk music basically like your, your, um, which is like, I think this is the most clear, like kind of homage to that. And I really like that. I really like that. I can get that value out of that. Um, take everything. I also really, um, fell in love with it's kind of brit poppy i realized on my most recent ish- listen that there's like kind of uh uh it almost reminded me without like the kind of just weird cocaine-ness of it of champagne supernova or like <laughs> sure. oasis or something uh pieces wasted and alice the two last songs i didn't catch on to I, pieces wasted i liked a lot just kind of off vibe which is why i gave it a heart Alice, I will probably need to listen to again, but I do like that the album kind of ends. You have the high of desire, which is like such a high high. You know, it's this like soul song about. Um, what does that song mean to you? Like when you hear that song, like what do you what do you feel?
1: That's a great question. I think that it almost depends on the day when I'm listening to it. I think it sort of yeah. takes on different meanings you know and I don't think that's the song I think that's me listening to the song yeah that I you know as a person you can sort of bring different things to a song or a movie or a piece of art you know depending on what were you doing that day what were you doing right before what's going on in your life you know right now and for most Americans COVID is still a big part of people's lives because it is not getting better it is only getting worse and I think that, for me, the part of Desire that really sticks out are when he, you know, I guess you call it the chorus, when he says, desire, desire, it's never going to stay, it's never going to stay. Yeah. And just sort of that, like, moaning that he does, you know, throughout, and the way that everything sort of crescendos at the end. It sounds very, like, tribal, almost, with the way that the drums sort of, like, fall. It feels like he's just sort of letting the drumsticks fall wherever they may so for me, that song right now feels about like you just have to do the thing you want to do and do the thing that you're interested in because who knows how long you're going to feel that way for. So you should seize your opportunity while it's sort yes. of sparked in you, while that desire is present. What does that song mean to you, Mace?
2: Uh, I just want to shout out the drummer and aut is Tim Keane, so him splashing all. Uh, the other Shout members of Keen. yeah, the other members of Ought are Ben Stidworthy on bass and Matt May on keyboards. Uh, I like the keyboards in this song too. Like you got a little organ song, you got that fun little arpeggiated thing starting it there. Um, I'm with you though. This is a song that's changed um, definitions for me. The more I listen to it, and I think it's because that song is essentially about. Um, the release, like, the, the release that you can find in, in a change or in a transition of some kind. Because I think, you know, in the perspective of the lyrics, I think it's written about either, like, and it depends on the day when I, what I think this, it this, this, the lyrics are about, where um this guy is either, you know, looking at a partner or something and realizing that he doesn't desire, like, feel desire in his, like, kind of, Uh, towards this person anymore and if that's a good thing because there's now more room for other feelings on top of the desire or if it's like gone completely and like just sure just out um i like that the song kind of leaves that open at the end of it and to me there's that um just the rest of the instrumentation in the production just kind of like gleed uh go in and out from section to section um and it does end up in this it does a very good job of like bringing you forward a little bit and then taking you back until you're like at a point where you're just ready to like you said just fucking explode and the the coda to this i don't know man i listen to this song every day like i said and i just need to do like i put this on i just need to like sashay around the room basically (laughs) like it's it's a good song just to kind of like just get some energy out just like get whatever you need to out um
1: Get and your man, it, wiggles out. Get yeah, your jollies
2: going. Yeah, get Mason. your jollies going. Yeah, I w- I can't wait until you know um, we're through the look. You know, pandemic is over, and I can be in a big group of people and play this song, and we all just kind of like get our and you our can
1: all get out. your wiggles out. Get your wiggles
2: out. But I don't know. That's what that song means to me. Um, can, can I, I say I one more it. thing about uh, the,
1: about desire before we you know maybe transition to some wrap up stuff here? Yes, I want to. I want to. And again, listen to this song. But before you listen to the song, or after, I don't give a shit. Before or after you listen to this <laughs> song, hear this. There's a moment in the song where th- this is the lyrics. These are the lyrics. Well, fictions are frightening, yes, like yes. statues in lightning. And I wore my boot sole, and you gave it a new hole. Well, that is how it's written. Those are the lyrics. Yeah. This is how he sings well.
0: the song. And I my and you gave it a new it's like crazy that that can be
1: written that way, and that he can sing it in a way that I would never. Enjam those lines the way that he enjams those lines, but
2: it works so well, and you don't question it once. I don't think. I think that's brilliant. Fictions are frightening, like statues and lightning is something that when I heard it the first time, I was like, I almost I. I almost became an annoying guy where I posted it on every single social media feed for all of my different friends and <laughs> followers to sing. Cause I'm like, you guys, you aren't recognizing the genius of this, but I, I love that lyric so much. I think that's actually my, um, that's actually my, 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 profile description on tiktok of all
1: places hell yeah dude you gotta tell the tiktok teens about ought yeah (laughs) brother it's all about desire by. have you made a tiktok to desire by
2: ought yet i was about to the other day and i couldn't get it to figure out so maybe by the time this one drops my tiktok is not very hard to find it's the same thing as my instagram handle so if you're
1: really yeah curious... why aren't we dropping our fucking tiktoks dude, in the show description damn we got to get on we got to get people on our tiktoks mason yeah brother Hello. hell yeah um do you have anything else that you want to say about any of the songs about the album about um, Ot, before we no, started getting not the about the album
2: no not i like the album a lot i i am i feel like i'm very reserved in my kind of enthusiasm for it just because i love the song desire so much and um but i think that the album itself is very very good and based off of our discussion i think you'll figure out aside from my recommendation which will come but you'll figure out if you want to just listen to the whole thing or touch in with desire and then give the rest a shot but that's kind of how i feel excuse me
1: amazing uh, well, I got some I got some fast facts for you. There wasn't actually a ton of info that I could dig up about Ought or this album in particular, but I do have some fast facts, just a couple. I'll more than make up for it, though, when we get to the movie, because there's a lot to talk about as far as fast facts are concerned with the movie today. But as far as fast facts are concerned for Ought oh and yes. Room Inside the World... Ott was formed, like Mason said, at the top of the show in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. The band consists of Tim Darcy on vocals, Ben Stidworthy on bass, Matt May on keyboards, and Tim Keen on drums. This next fact is from a I believe, I want to say it's either a Pitchfork article or a Consequence of Sound article, I don't remember right off the top of my head. But, as legend has it, Ott came together at McGill University in 2012 during the Printemps Arable, I believe is how you say that, also known as Maple Spring, when a push by the Quebec government to increase tuition fees across the province by 75% prompted thousands of students to walk out of the classroom and into the streets for mass protests and school boycotts that lasted into the fall. That is how these boys met, was through those protests. That's kind of cool.
2: That's pretty tight, actually. I like that a lot. (laughs) <laughs> that is pretty tight. Ought <laughs> uh, released
1: more than any other day in 2014. That was their debut album. That album received critical acclaim, including a Best New Music accolade from Pitchfork Media of all places. It was noted in it was noted in numerous. <laughs> it was noted. It was noted. In- Scott, Scott. was noted? <laughs> <laughs> er, my gird, skirt, <laughs> skirt. That is if doctor, if they do. Uh, If they do Doctor Evil 4 If they do Austin Powers 4 They have to have Mike Myers back going Ermagerd, Gerd, skirt, you're inuring me (laughs) Just absolutely fucking laying into the audience Fuck you for seeing this movie Uh, It was noted in numerous year end lists for 2014 Including Rolling Stone Pitchfork Drowned in Sound Loud and Quiet Exclaim Crack Magazine And Paste The album reached number 20 on the Billboard Heat Seekers chart in the U.S. And last but not least, Room Inside the World, the album in discussion today, was released on February 16th, 2018, through Merge Records. It peaked at number 31 on the Billboard U.S. Independent Album Charts and was listed on Paste Magazine's 50 Best Albums of 2018. Mason, where do you think it ranked in the top
2: 50? In the top 50? Ooh, how about twenty-nine?
1: Damn, dude, you're so fucking close. I'm going to give it to you. Number 27. Wow. Closest yeah. without going over. How about that? There we go, baby. And Price is Right rules. Bum, bum, ba-bum. Bum, bum, ba-bum. Ba, bum. Bar Barker. Bar Barker comes down even though he's not doing the show anymore. Mason, you've won a brand new car. Or you can go behind Woo. door number two for a different prize. Mason, pick door number two.
3: Door number two. Door number
1: two. Door number two. Mason, do you pick door number one or door number two? Door number two. It's a big giant piece of shit,
3: Mason.
1: <clears throat> You got fucked up, Mason. You gave away a car for a big giant piece of shit. Mason. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> and then Truth Carry comes down, looks at the camera with his sly little dickhead smile. Well, that's all the time we have today on The Price is Right. <laughs> Join us tomorrow where Mason gets to drive his big home piece of shit home because it's also a car.
2: Yes. Can't wait. Can't wait to drive that home.
1: So, those are all the fast facts I have. I told you, you didn't have that many about art cool. or a Room Inside the
2: World. Mason. What's your fucking Mercedes valuable player for Room Inside the World? Uh, Tim Darcy. I think that he's a excellent songwriter. I think that he is a good front person for this band. Um, really kind of is the X factor that makes this uh, album worth listening to. I really like his uh, solo album as well. A uh, guy who I feel has his uh, career ahead of him that will hopefully be very interesting. So Tim Darcy's my guy on this one. Noe, where are you?
1: So I almost... Picked Tim Darcy as well I actually had him written down And then the more I thought about it You know sometimes On this show We go big With our Mercedes Valuable players And we sort of Give it to A concept Or an aspect Mm -hmm. Of something This time I'm going Minute I'm going very small I'm going to give it To something very specific In this album Uh, And I'm going to give it To the last minute Of the song Desire We have been building up So far You know Everything's sort of Getting ratcheted up And then at the one-minute mark, you just sort of get this release, this catharsis. And the last minute of that song, get some good fucking headphones on yourself because it is a wild finish to that song. And it's kind of the only, like you know what you're saying, it's really the only song like it on the album as far as I'm concerned. So last minute of Desire gets my Mercedes Valuable Player. I'm going to go ahead and give this a conditional wreck, the album Mm -hmm. itself. The whole album gets a conditional wreck. The song Desire gets a full recommend. Can't give it any higher recommendation than that. Mason, do you recommend Room Inside the World?
2: Uh, I am the same exact same as you. Conditional recommend for the album. Um, if it doesn't re- it, like, you know, I think you're gonna know if this is gonna be something you want to give 40 minutes of your life to. I would, you know. Uh, but full, 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 highest recommend possibly. Uh, Catfish
1: to Desire
2: wow. by Odd. Damn. Love that fucking song. Love it so much, brother. Okay. Well, we did it, Mason.
1: We got through one half of the show. Yeah. And I think that's pretty cool.
2: Yep. We have done it at last. We have made it through half of the show. Finally. Finally, we
1: made it through half of the... We made it through half of the fucking show for once. Nothing fucking happened. We got through the fucking half of the fucking show.
2: So, pretty cool. Excellent. We did it, folks, again. All right. So, (laughs) Noe...
1: I'm about about sorry, dude, I'm week? fucking, I'm happy we got through the first yeah, half of the me fucking too. show. Me too. For once in my goddamn life, I said, you know what, today's the fucking day, and I'm gonna get through right through the first half of this fucking show, and guess what, now we're at the second half of this fucking show. You plug your nose, you smell something, it smells like shit. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm just I'm am just, I'm just making I'm just having some fun with my vocal performance here. Boy, dude, I don't, know, about- <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know how to fucking respond to that,
1: Mason. But Mason, yes, talking about a movie now. Is that fair to say?
2: Oh, uh, that is fair to say.
1: Okay, uh, can I preview the movie? Absolutely. Thanks, Chef. It was my pick after all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was my pick after all. Uh, the Movie we're talking about today. We're going 20 years in the past from 2018, 2018. We're going to 1998, the year of the gamer. <laughs> going all the way back to 1998. I am one year old. Yes. Mason is 50 years old. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to the theater by himself, buys one ticket that costs yes. $6.30. Yes. $6.25 if he's going to a certain theater. And he gets one ticket. For himself, a small Mr. Piv and the biggest bucket of popcorn that he's ever seen in his entire life for 1998. Joe Dante's the first ever repeat offender on this show. We've been doing this show for more than 50 episodes. And this is is the first ever. Is this the
2: first time that we've repeated a director or a band?
1: I think so. I went through, I did a quick, you know, look through all of our episodes. If I am incorrect on that, I apologize, but I truly think this is the first repeat offender that we've ever had on the show in the oh, 50 plus episodes. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah, you know? yeah,
2: yeah, 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 you're probably right. And so, so quickly, too, it was just a couple of weeks ago that we had Marissa on to talk about matinee, but...
1: I know, but nonetheless, nonetheless. we have another Joe Dante, you know, weeks later it's motherfucking small soldiers, small baby. Soldiers, let's fucking baby. go. Hell yeah. Claps, let's get it claps, going claps. in the chat
2: for small motherfucking soldiers. So Let's
1: get Fs in the chat. Let's get dubs no, in the chat. No, let's get
2: Fs in the chat. Well, we, we should actually pay our respects to the Gorgonites.
1: That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Get Fs, yeah. get dubs, get whatever you need to. Just don't put any fucking Ls. Get some poggers going in the chat. I don't for... think we can
2: pogger anymore, unfortunately. That's why I'm trying to make the new catchphrase, that's so pickle Rick.
1: Okay, all right, so get some that-so-pickle-Ricks going in the chat. We'll start that off on a fucking strong note on the new year. But, uh, Mason, this is a very interesting movie to bring onto the show because we were going to talk about this movie in an earlier episode, true?
2: True! I think, I can't remember exactly when, but no, this is a movie that we've both, I think, independently wanted to bring on the show. It
1: is, and I believe... That we were supposed to talk about this movie when we did the big kids episode with Chris, Rocky, and Jake. That's
2: right. Yes. This was going to – we were going to supersize that episode even more than it had been and put – Noah and I were both going to bring on a movie. Yours was going to be this, and then mine was going to be – what was mine going to be for that? Do you remember? Well, so
1: what I remember happening is Chris, Rocky, and Jake all picked their movies. You can go listen to that episode. Really fun, really great episode. Really just chaotic in every single sense of the word. Um, And I Before we you know Decided that Mason and I Would not include a movie You know In the selections We would just focus on guest picks I had said My pick will be Small soldiers And Mason I swear I'm not making this up You said Damn I was gonna pick Small soldiers That's what I remember And I wish that That was like Some weird Little piece of sorcery That I like conjured up But I'm pretty sure That's what happened yeah. In real life I mean Do you remember that happening Does that
2: mean anything to you I I'll take your word for it, honestly. And then I think that you said that, and then I wanted to do. I can't remember if I came to this later. But Wild Wild West, the Will Smith
1: movie, <laughs> produced by Mister John Peters, your man, yes, right? My man,
2: yeah. I did. I finished uh, Hit and Run actually on my Christmas break. It was a very good book.
1: You re- do you highly recommend? Hit and Run by John Peters?
2: Uh, by Kim Masters, and I forget the other author's name, but uh, I would just regular recommend Hit and Run. If you're interested in, like, the kind of uh, studio politics of, like, the early 90s, then it's very interesting. But if that's not, like, something you're terribly interested in, won't begrudge that for you. Get it on audiobook. How about that? Do Damn. Hit and Run on audiobook. Make it a podcast Janus, series. Dude. Make
1: it a fucking... Listen to one chapter a day. Make it yeah. a podcast series. Make a Patreon so that people can get the next chapter in advance. We're giving you business ideas here, folks. If you don't take it, that's your fucking loss. Mm-hmm. Um, Mason, what's your fucking history with Small Soldiers? So, the reason <laughs> I wanted,
2: so if I am so remember correctly, the reason I wanted to bring Small Soldiers on the show is because it's this movie that I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, and I th- it loomed kind of big in my memory because for years before I saw this movie... And I don't think I saw this movie until I was maybe 10 or 11. I would just always play with my cousin's um, toys, the Gorgonite toys that they had and the um, the Commando Elites also. And I think they mostly had the Commando Elite toys. And so when I watched the movie, I was a little disappointed yeah. that the Commando Elites were the bad guys.
1: Yeah, and heartbreaker.
2: I, yeah, and I hadn't seen the movie for years, and I just kind of wanted to revisit it because I have been disappointed by it. And i have been curious to see, like... You know, if this is a situation where 10-year-old me was surprise, surprise, wrong about something. Um, but before yeah. watching this movie, I had only seen it the one time, and I can't even remember what that the context was for that. But I feel like it was, you know, we went to Blockbuster, and I talked my grandma into getting it on VHS or something.
1: Hell fucking yeah, dude. get Make grandma get fucking small soldiers for the TV that has the VHS player, like, in the TV. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. I had one of those in my room growing up. I love that thing.
1: I had a friend in elementary school who I would go to his, like, apartment, you know, like, after school sometimes. Like, sometimes he would come to my place. Sometimes I would go to his. And I remember, like, we didn't ever really go in his room. Like, we pretty much only hung out in, like, his living room and, like, either, like, played video games or, like, <laughs> or he showed me Family Guy clips. I wish I was fucking kidding okay, you. Okay, here we
0: are. <laughs> here we go. We
2: are, uncovering, we are uncovering something on the pod here tonight.
1: I know, dude. He literally would show me. He was the guy, I don't know if I've said it on this episode or on this podcast, but he literally, this friend, used to, like, during rainy days, which were a plenty, you know, in elementary school growing up in Oregon, and we would all have to be under the blacktop, he would, like, corner me up against, like, a pole on the blacktop and do the Osama Bin Laden teaser opening <laughs> from Family Guy where they're, like, making fun of him for, like, messing up the lines and you can, like, hear the other, like terrorists behind him in like in the cave that they're filming his video and being like ah you fucking idiot you messed up he would like corner me and do that verbatim like to me during recess i know what he's up to now and we will tell you off mic so okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy uh he is a rapper and he, he sometimes he works at target so good for him yeah it's awesome uh but mason I don't know why I told said I was gonna tell you off mic and then immediately tell you. <laughs> Fuck! But Mason, my history with this movie is that we actually had it on VHS because my grandparents, apparently, this was told to me after the fact, but apparently they had like gotten a bunch of VHS tapes, I guess, or something like that. I don't know if they were like passed down from like older cousins or whatever, and then they would have them at their house. So that when the cousins would come over, they could like watch something while like the other like adults like did their shit or whatever. Sure. And like okay. put it on in a different room. But either way, at a certain point, I came along and the VHS tapes were not only gifted to us, but literally we took them home with us. So we owned all of them. So oh, we had like okay. Beauty and the Beast, the Disney version of Beauty and Hell the Beast, yeah. Cinderella, Little Mermaid, you know, like all the really like Dumbo, like all the yeah. classic shit we had on VHS. So I've seen those handful of movies you know more times than i could fucking count and small soldiers was actually one of the vhs's that we had wow but i didn't watch the movie that much i've probably only seen the movie once just like you when i was younger but when i tell you mason that the cover of this vhs tape was a like object of desire quite literally for me i cannot overstate it it was like the coolest fucking thing that I had yeah. ever seen in my goddamn life. It where was just where it's
2: major hazard, like pointing at it's like blue background, the small soldiers, triangle logo, they got Archer and then like Duke major hazard, like in front of him, like pointing out at the viewer. Like yes. I think of the right one. Yeah. Yes. No, and that... then you have
1: the big yeah. eye guy sort of like dangling from the top yeah. of the, the, the mm-hmm. cover. I can't remember his name, unfortunately, or yeah, I think it's specs moment.
2: or something. Um, that's – you know, you see that poster as a kid and you see that cover and you think that it's going to be like an animated movie about the – like the, these two like warring factions. And then you put on that VHS tape and it starts with like
0: a, <laughs> so a, with a David satire Cross. Of, of David
2: Cross <laughs> and Jay Moore two um, two like employees at this like small toy co- company that's bought by a major corporation whose CEO is played by Dennis Leary Mr fucking P- cappuccino F- Dunkachino,
1: whatever the fuckuccino himself www com, Dennis Leary himself I could not stop thinking about www com when he walked on screen and was like Oh, those are your toys. Next. Like, yeah, yeah. such a little like girl boss when he walks in. He's just like, next.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Miss Kegel's his male wife, (laughs) Dude, she, she runs his life though. Like be not mistaken. No, Miss Kegel rocks. and I love that her name is Miss Kegel too.
1: (laughs) It's like Max Keeble, except Miss Keeble. Did you ever see Max
2: Keeble's big move? Oh yeah, dude. That was a big time, like recess movie. What's a recess movie? Like, the teachers would, put, uh, like teachers would put it on during a rainy day for recess, like, if you couldn't go oh,
1: outside. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, I gotcha. Okay, my bad, my bad. I was like, because yeah. there was, like, that show Recess, and I'm like, do you, are you trying to pull a fast <laughs> one on me here, buddy?
2: No, 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 no. no. Uh, Josh, an early appearance by Josh Peck, I believe. Larry Miller's in that movie as well.
1: I will never get out of my head how Larry Miller goes, t
2: Just, like, <laughs> just straight up. In that movie. And then
1: they like torture that kid with the song, the Scottish frog, McGooGles or whatever.
2: Oh, that's right. They do do psychological warfare on that kid. <laughs> they
1: literally do. They trap him in the dark gym. They tell him to go into a gym. And they hire and they... like a
2: mascot to chase
1: him around too. <laughs> it's fucked up, dude. That movie is pretty fucked up. And it kind of yeah. scared me a little bit when I was a kid, like that little sequence. That's yeah, you, kind of you, scary. You
2: got, it was a little scary. It was a little scary.
1: Was a little scary for me. I was a little scowed by <laughs> Small magoodles. soldiers. Small small soldiers. <clears throat> small soldiers. But needless to say, I thought this was going to be the coolest thing in the world when I was a kid, having not seen it. And then I did watch it mm-hmm. horribly disappointed by <laughs> yes, the movie. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not, it's not not a kid's movie. But it's also not not a teen movie either. But it's it's not both. A to- it's not a toy movie, and we both wanted it to be toy movies. I Ex- think, when exactly, we were a kid. exactly. Because you watch Toy Story when you're a kid, and you're like, "That's a toy movie." DreamWorks goes, "Fuck, we got to do a yeah. toy movie now because t- Pixar did, and, and, and you we're a shitty is- Pixar." Yeah. yeah. And
2: you- I couldn't watch these until later and you didn't see them until last year, but like Terminator and RoboCop are also toy movies. Cause I would have like, or see those toys or my friends would have those toys before I could see the movie. And then you watch the movie and there's like no human. <laughs> I, the, the, the RoboCop is the RoboCop. He's not like a toy RoboCop that the other characters no. are playing with, you know, like in this movie, the toys that you were playing with were the toys that were in the movie. Yes. A hundred percent. And you're watching this movie. And I'm like, wait, I'm, Ten years old. I don't know how to identify with characters yet. I just want to watch soldiers fight aliens.
1: Yes, dude. Though, because the command. Well, wait. What were you gonna say? What were you gonna say? Uh,
2: though uh, it it would, it would cause little me to to crush hard on Kirsten Dunst because I'm sure I saw this movie after Spider Man, and Kirsten sure, Dunst sure. and Spider Man was a big crush. Was a big old crush for me. She's cute. She's, She's cute in this cute movie too. too. Yeah, I love Kirsten but, Dunst. But. What's crazy you would say
1: that, Mason, because the opening of Small Soldiers feels like the opening of Robocop to me. Yeah. Having yes. seen Robocop now, I'm like, that is a that is straight up rip from the Paul Verhoeven Textbook of how to open a movie about that's a satire of you know things with guns we'll call we'll yeah, call it yeah. you know and it's straight up just you know GloboTech we are not evil basically is what it's telling you yeah at the it, very it, beginning of the movie it
2: rocks it's like <laughs> it's so funny it's called GloboTech because one of the first things I wrote in my notes was GloboCam like the classic Mister Show bit and then the next sure. thing you see is David Cross
1: <laughs> oh dude that's fucking true I didn't even fucking put that together that's that is.
2: Man, the I wonder thing. how they what? did that. Oh, my! One of my probably my absolute favorite just sketch of all time the the Pit Pat sketch from Mr. Show.
1: Damn, dude. We yeah. damn. I gotta go through Mr. Show to be honest with you. I've only seen a handful of Mr. Show sketches. I love the what is the character's name? I know it's Ronnie, but what is his like full name? Oh, the Ronnie run, Dobbs. Ronnie, run. Ronnie Dobbs. The Ronnie Dobbs stuff is fucking unbelievable. Yeah. there's some great stuff with Bobo. I mean, the whole, the show is good from what I've seen. I haven't seen all of. Mr. Show uh, with Bob and Dave, but I have to because it's funny. <laughs> uh,
3: <Bananas>. But,
1: Mason, <laughs> yes. uh, movie sucks when you're a kid, which yeah. is unfortunate because it's kind of a kid's movie. But one of the big things I want to talk about, we don't have to talk about it right now, but we can, is who is this movie for? is this a kid's movie? Yeah. Is this a movie for adults yeah. to take their kids to? Is this movie
2: for teenagers who are not very mature? Like who is this movie it's, targeted towards? It's what's it's what I like about this movie so much. And it's kind of the same like thing with Matt and uh, it's just a very intelligent movie. And you feel like conceivably someone of any age could sit down and get some kind of enjoyment out of it. Um, you know, when I was, you know, it's a PG 13 movie, which means that like, you know, if you're a preteen or something, you can get into it, no problem. Not, you don't have to show your ID at the the ticket booth or something. Or, you know, you can bring your you know, if you're a parent, you can bring your teen kid to it. But it's like it, because it treats I think the audience at their like highest level of intelligence And you just see these toys going around all the time. You're not bringing that with you the first time you're seeing it, or you typically would, and I don't think, I don't know. But I don't, to answer your question, I don't think that there's like a set audience for this. I would assume just like teenage boys, because that's who the main character is, you know, and that's probably who they want, or like 11, 12 year old boys or something, like preteen boys, basically. Um, But that's like kind of my best guess, I think, honestly, just because that's who the main (laughs) character is, and I would kind of trust that. They want that to be the the center of that audience there.
1: Well, the reason I ask is just because there are times where I'm like, the satire that is going on here feels sophisticated to a certain level, but then sometimes the characters don't feel sophisticated. Sometimes the characters feel like not at the same level as some of the thematics that are going on in the movie, which is why I question You know, and I actually do have a quote from Joe Dante that I was going to break out during the Fast Facts, but I'll break it out now. Uh, And he says, Joe Dante. Oh, did I not even put this in? Fuck, I I didn't put it in. The Fast Facts, I don't think. Maybe I did. I don't think I did. Anyway, the quote is something to the effect of, I wanted to make a movie that was badass, but because of all the tie-in stuff that I had to do and all the promotional stuff that I had to do in the movie, it ends up being kind of muddled and sometimes coming across as being for kids because that's what the producers and the studios wanted mm. is something that kids mm-hmm. could watch. So he says that the final result ends up being both something for teens that teens can enjoy and something for kids, but it doesn't fully coalesce into either, which I think is an interesting and very like yeah. self-aware point of view from a director because you know you know you you would think that if you're directing a movie you want it to be the thing you want it to be obviously and then there's Mm. all the producers and corporate you know bullshit that goes on with it but you would think that he would fight or do what he could to keep the original vision while still having to do the things but it's interesting that he had that perspective on it you know what I mean
2: yeah 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 no I think and I yeah that makes sense to me Uh, yeah Okay.
1: (laughs) Yes, dude. Absolutely. Um, what's, what's, what is, what is there to say? What is there to say about this movie? It is just, it's just
2: wild dude. In every sense of the word, you know what I mean? It fucking rocks, man. Like I was having a great time watching this. Like I, and then here's the other thing. Did you see the, um, soundtrack for this movie? Like not like the Jerry Goldsmith score, But, like, some of the other songs that were on the soundtrack.
1: So, here we fucking go. Are you ready for this? I got it pulled up right in front of me. Yes. Uh, And this is actually going to be part of the Fast Facts, so you're getting a Fast Fact a little bit early. Whoa, you're welcome, ladies and gents. Because I texted Uh, one
2: of these songs to you.
1: (laughs) You did. And it is the... This is around the time where Limp Bizkit was starting to come uh, into fruition and sort of into the popular culture. So, here is the ten songs that you get on the soundtrack. Two songs that are heard in the movie that don't come on the soundtrack are Communication Breakdown by Zeppelin and Wannabe by the Spice Girls, which are both used very awesomely in this movie, actually, yeah. to be honest with you. But War, which is Bone Thugs in Harmony with Henry Rollins, Tom Morello, and Flea, yeah. uh, which is the one that Mason sent me. Another one Bites the Dust, which is Queen Wyclef Jean Prass, Pras, I believe, Free and Cannabis, but Cannabis is spelled C-A-N-I-B-U-S, which is fucking dope. Yeah. Uh The Stroke by Billy Squire and Dallas Austin, which apparently does not actually show up in the movie, but that's on the uh that is on the soundtrack. Love is a Battlefield by Pat Benatar and Queen Latifah and
2: J.K.G. That song unironically raps. I can't stop listening to that song. It's so good. It is good. It is actually probably better than the original version yes, of Love is a Battlefield. I, I agree. It's,
1: it's fucking crazy. Uh, then we have everybody's favorite song Rock and Roll Part 2 by yeah,
2: Gary Glitter, The Small Soldiers remix, which is The s- Small
1: Soldiers <laughs> remix. It's it just so sounds like crazy. evil
2: clown music, which is um fitting. You know, music that a pedophile would would write.
1: But also later shows up in Joker as we know and so yes. evil clown music, <laughs> hell yeah. I can t- I can I can dig that. Yeah, Gary Glitter's a pedophile though. Uh actually is. Number 6, Love Removal Machine by The Colt and Mickey petralia i believe i don't actually know where that shows up in the movie to be totally honest with you
2: that might just be one of those things like where a producer or a music producer would hire a bunch get a bunch of acts together just to write songs based off of the concept of small soldiers maybe without even seeing the movie and just to put like an album out for their like you know just just to put an album out basically it doesn't have to show up in the movie
1: that's true it is interesting because love removal machine is like a, like, known song, like all these songs are, yeah, but, like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, I don't even hear it in the movie, but you're probably right about that. Uh, number seven, My City Was Gone by The Pretenders and Cool Keith. So, shock out of that. I'm not a huge Pretenders <sighs> guy, I know you are though, Mason. I love The
2: Pretenders, yeah. I actually didn't listen to this particular part of the album, I was just stuck on Love's the Battlefield by Queen Latina. And <laughs> <Bat-Bot-Tar>. <laughs> uh,
1: number eight, Surrender by Cheap Trick and Rick Costy, I believe it's Costy. Uh, number nine. Tom Sawyer by Rush and DJ Z-Trip, which is Ooh. gnarly. Yeah. And then number 10 is actually the just normal version of War by Edwin Starr, which that song rips on its own. I was actually listening to that song earlier today, and that song is fucking awesome.
2: That song is really, really good. Um, but it's funny. You look at the album cover for the uh, remixes album, or the like non-music uh, from the motion picture, rather. It's the uh, Commando Elite it's not the gorgonites and you look at basically all the other stuff it's mostly commando elite stuff which is why even though the youtube thumbnail for war is of uh is of archer just like doing a little damn dude um but yeah and i so watching this movie i fell hard for the gorgonites like that's just kind of my big takeaways i love the gorgonites and i'm happy that I came to this movie at this point in my life after having that earlier disappointing experience. Cause I think it really makes it like, like pop and I appreciated it a lot.
1: I think that this movie and you know, I know it was my pick, so I am biased, but I think this movie in a lot of ways is kind of a perfect movie for this show yeah. because you and I both had less than stellar opinion of it and less than stellar situations and experiences with it when we were younger because that's kind of what who the movie's, you know, for, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Now you and I are both coming to it in our twenties and we are liking the movie so much more than we did when we were a kid. It is getting a reappraisal. I know there are people on Letterboxd who like defend this movie and are like, Small Soldier's rips you watched it when you were a kid and you were probably disappointed because you wanted to see toys fighting other toys. It's not really what that the movie not is. It doesn't happen,
2: to be clear. Like the, the climax of the movie is that the army toys surround a, a home and the Gorgonites, the, the small band of Gorgonites and the humans have to fight them off. It's really fucking cool.
1: <laughs> it is really fucking cool. And it's probably the coolest, quote unquote, part of the movie, but it's not... The movie. And I think when you're a kid, you think that's going to be the movie because you have army guys and you have monsters and you want to see them fight. Like as a kid, that is such a like primordial want to want to see those guys go at each other. And they don't really, you know, they do. Turn Barbies
2: into mutants to fight for them.
1: Yes, dude. You want that shit. That's the shit you want to see when you're a kid because you're like, what's cooler than evil toys? What's cooler than toys fighting other toys? The answer, nothing
2: nothing you, you got your mutant barbies you got your monsters with their uh you got oh, you got your archer he's the leader and he's so cool he's played by frank langella you got your slam fist who is uh just a heart of gold um and then on the other side you have tommy lee jones playing major chip hazard that's you your boy dude you love Tommy Lee Jones. hey best supporting actor tommy lee jones for the fugitive 1993 <laughs> baby
1: let's fucking go dude shout out to tommy lee jones
2: no for real national treasure tommy (laughs) lee jones um you don't realize as a kid that this movie's giving you everything that you want and a little bit extra to boot you're just but like like we were saying you're just really impatient that there's not more toy fighting and by the time you get to the toy fight at the end you're a little exhausted from being disappointed for an hour and a half or whatever the fuck it is i don't know
1: but you watch it when you're in your 20s and you have a podcast called It's On The List With Noah and Mason. Yeah. And it's a super big good surprise and you're happy that you picked it for yeah, this episode. Um, can we Let's talk about the cast, I think, a little bit more in depth because this cast is fucking stacked, dude. Yeah. Are you ready yeah. for this, Mason? Here we Give go. Give it to me.
2: Give it to me. Let's go.
1: Like you said, first person that we see in the movie is Mr. David Cross himself. Amazing. Yeah amazing shortly followed by the less (laughs) the less good but still good not gonna knock him entirely but it's not he's no david cross is jay moore and i
2: were yeah i was remembering and i couldn't remember exactly what this was but at some point as a young person on the internet i came across a website that whole that's whole thing was that they hated it was like fuck jay moore basically i think they were posting like stand-up clips and jay moore was a yeah i even as a kid i was like this feels a little aggressive (laughs)
1: Damn, dude, that's, like, some early fucking flaming of Jay Moore's ass. Yeah, dude. Um, apparently, Jay Moore does an amazing Christopher Walken impression. That's, like, a known Ooh, thing. He's, like, an amazing impressionist and does, like, like an amazing, like, Christopher Walken impression is sort of his, like, touchstone of what he can do as an impressionist, which is kind of weird because that's, like, a relatively, like, accessible impression. Like, I feel like most people yeah. who, like, can pride themselves on doing impressions have a walk-in so his must be like really the good. best ever you know what yeah. i
2: mean yeah For that no, to be his i'm touchstone. really curious to look that up now
1: uh yes chef and then of course dennis leary coming in at the you know at the end of the boardroom meeting giving us the www.whatthefuck.com in his absolute you know dennis leary goodness then as far as other humans are concerned this was the last thing that we ever saw Phil Hartman in because Phil Hartman was unfortunately murdered the yeah. same year that this yeah. movie came out, and he's a fucking joy dude he's really not you know getting I, yeah. to do like a ton of like comedic work in this, but when he does get to go, he goes off
2: no he's so good at just um. You're right, he's not doing, like, a uh, like a Simpsons character or his, even, like, a, a performance on the level of his, his turn in Jingle All The Way, where he's just so over <laughs> the top. This one, he's just very much, like, the asshole neighbor next door, like, the entitled asshole next door, and nobody could get that, like, specific, like, kind of boomer neighbor asshole energy quite like Phil Hartman, and it's such a... It, it's, it's just so sad that he was, uh, murdered...
1: Yeah, that is one of the craziest like Hollywood death like sagas of all time. I don't really feel like we need to like really rehash it because no, no, it's, no, no, no. A lot, it's, it's a lot. Most people know about it.
2: It's a big bummer. Let's keep talking about the rest of this cast.
1: But he this was his last movie. Um, and then of course you on the flip side you have a very young Kirsten Dunst as we mentioned mm-hmm. before. And I will say one of the biggest problems that I have with this movie. Is the way that her character is written? She is yeah. not even close to a fleshed-out character. She no.
2: and she literally says, "I'm not like other girls." <laughs> no. Exa-
1: just... What happens is what happens is, is he says to her what Alan says to her is, "You're not like other girls," and she says, "I know." She Han solos him in the toy store, and I'm like, "It is
2: okay." Real, yeah, it is really <laughs> embarrassing, and I I laughed out loud when that happened. Not like. It's really embarrassing. And I'm with you that, like, they don't find a ton for her to do in the movie. She does get to um, beat up some toys with a baton. Yes. And some weird, you know, just very gendered symbolism. Uh, This is a very gendered movie, by the way. This is about boy toys fighting each other. (laughs) And then very explicit girl toys being
1: reanimated and, like, made to go after, like, Kirsten Dunst. But... Even though she is not a very well-written character, she does a really good job with what she has. I'm never yes. bored yes. Yes. or yes. like yes. unconvinced when she's on screen and this is pre Virgin Suicides, this is pre the Spider-Man movies and she's doing a great job. So I big props to Kirsten Dunst Love her. who yeah. does a lot with nothing. I would argue she does she has nothing To go off for her character And she crushes it So she's not my Mercedes viable player But she gets a huge shout out From me Honorable mention Mercedes viable player As far as I'm concerned Uh, Then Mason We get into some of the Voice cast on this Tommy Lee Jones Like we said Plays Chip Hazard Frank Langella Plays Archer Who's the leader Of the Gorgonites Tommy Lee Jones Is Chip Hazard Is the leader Of the Commando Elite And then the Spinal Tap crew Rounds out The fucking Gorgonites Michael McKean Mm -hmm. Harry Cher, and then who's the last guy doing the uh, Do you remember? Christopher guest? Christopher Guest, you're right, it is Christopher Guest. It's not you can't really tell, I don't think, that it's them, but yeah. knowing that it's them is cool.
2: Yeah, it's really nice, and especially considering who plays the uh the Commando Elites, the group they got to play the Commando Elites.
1: <laughs> yeah, let me make sure I have that entire list pulled up here, but it, it is the a lot of the returning people from the Dirty Dozen, which is a yeah. classic-ass war movie uh, from yeah. the 60s. It We have, who do we have here? We've got George Kennedy as Brick Bazooka, heavy artillery expert. We've got Jim Brown, which is crazy, as mm-hmm. Beach Butch Meathook, who's the sniper. Ernest Borgnine as Kip Killigan, covert operations expert. Bruce Dern, who's not from the original uh, dirty dozen but came in because unfortunately Richard Jackal passed away when shooting began to fill in as link static. and then Clint Walker sort of gets the uh, sort of gets the short end of the stick as Nick Nitro because isn't Nick Nitro the one who gets spoiler alert? Uh, isn't he the one who gets his lower body chopped off in the garbage disposal?
2: I think so. Um, at some point, the toys just all started blending together, and I was just taken away by the sheer mania of it all, and I wasn't paying attention to what character was where. So that very much could be the case. I just, don't I think know. it is.
1: Okay. I think it is. But also at the same time, it doesn't really matter. To be totally yeah. honest with you, because yeah. they're toys, and it's fucking awesome. And then the only other I think actor worth mentioning is a Joe Dante staple who also showed up in matinee, and that is Dick Miller as Joe, the truck driver. Dick Miller. Mm -hmm. He might be the best actor in this movie. Just like from a pure, like, I'm doing a character situation, yeah. I think he is the, like, he, I was like, damn, that guy does drive a fucking truck. That guy, yeah. like, is that character. I was like, that is a you fucking kind real of, truck driver.
2: No, definitely. And you kind of wish for, like, a, like a, just a series based off of that truck driver and his various deliveries. And, like, the people that, he, like, a kind <laughs> of, like, uh, like a, a Twilight Zone kind of situation. Or one of those anthology shows where each episode is a different town or something. And it's just... This, Dick Miller. No, he rocks. I also just want to give a quick shout-out to Kevin Dunn as uh, the dad. Um, Veep. uh, Veep staple. Just all around. He's in season one of True Detective. Just a real, oh, that guy guy. Uh, And it was kind of fun to see him pop up as the uh, flustered small business owner dad.
1: (laughs) And you know who shows up for quite literally like three seconds in this movie who, if you don't know that it's him, you would never know?
2: Mason? Uh, Robert Picardo?
1: Not who I was going to say. I actually don't know who that is off the top of my head. But Rance Howard, father of Ron and Clint Howard, is in this movie for quite literally the blink of an eye. There's a shot where they cut away to another house, and there's an older couple sitting in bed.
2: Oh, and they're watching TV, and they're like the the fimples or whatever they say.
1: Yeah, they're like, ah, those guys or whatever. That's Ron Howard and Clint Howard's father sitting in bed. Interesting. Is that their mom, too? Uh, I don't believe it's their mom. Who is that sitting in bed? Okay, because you were saying- Jackie Joseph.
2: Gotcha. So you were saying Clint Howard. I was getting messed up because I thought for some reason Clint Howard was in this movie, but I was getting mixed up with this other movie that I watched that he showed up in as a creepy gas station attendant.
1: Literally the perfect role for Clint Howard. Like quite literally the role he was born to
2: play. Yeah, yeah. Um, but who's, who is, did you say Robert Picardo? Who is that? He's the, so in, uh, he's also a Joe Dante staple in matinee. He plays the theater owner that has the, uh, sure. bunker. And in this movie, he plays the scientist that made the microchip. That's in all the toys. The one that's like, it's this oh. perfect organism, that guy.
0: Gotcha. That David okay. Cross and
2: Jay Moore goes to. I keep wanting to call Jay Moore Brecken Meyer, but I know that they're two different guys, <laughs> oh. even though they're probably not really. I don't know.
1: Dude, Breck and Meyer, the only reason why like that man even means something to me is because of the Garfield <laughs> movies. Because he plays John in those yeah. movies. But he does he's like way cooler than they portray John in the comic strip. Like in the comic yeah. strip, John's a fucking dumbass, and Brecken and Meyer's got like a little bit of charm to him, if you know what I mean.
2: No, definitely. Like John is maybe the the most swagless individual that's ever lived. John Arbuckle, like just a negative balance of swag coming off that guy. He enter he's
1: enters a room and the swag drops below the Mendoza line. The swag literally is under two hundred for the season, bro. It's fucked up. Yeah, Vegeta uh, puts
2: on and checks the power levels and the swag <laughs> level is under nine thousand.
1: Oh fuck, dude! Holy shit! Uh... Mason, let's talk about the fucking Gorgonites, though, because I think they really do have the best arc of this movie.
2: Would you agree? They do, and that's another nice thing that I was not expecting for this movie to have is a little little dusting, one of its themes. It's a very spiritual theme, and it's about... um, uh, I think that they do have the absolute best arc because uh, this movie posits that monster toys and... um, army toys are uh uh, have the same equipment basically and all that matters is how you play with them uh, sure or how you know they respond to their directive so the gorgonites they are destined to lose and watching them like how that changes is just so moving and then they how they uh how archer when he's searching the internet on like pre-wikipedia or something he sees like National Parks a picture, and it's like, there's Gorgon. And yep. what's... Oh, my God. And what's the line that they say? Um, it's... uh Oh, shit. Uh, but it, it did make me go, like, damn. I I love these goddamn things. I can't find I love these notes. fucking toys, dude. I love these fucking toys. I love Archer. I love Slamfist. They're my best friends. Nobody ever say anything bad about them. But it's about <laughs> how, like... Oh, it's... It's this discussion about um, feeling, basically, and just because it's not there doesn't mean that it's not real or something. Sure. And how that gets tied into their quest, I'm just like, really like the Gorgonites. I want to. And they get like a mythic send
1: off. I don't want to say exactly what happens to them because it's worth watching to like see, but it's like very like Joseph Campbelly, like it's very like like baseline like human feeling, like what happens to them. Like I'm like that, and that's like a very like mythic way to send off these Gorgonites, who you really do fall for, I think. I think the older you get, the more you, like, understand their plight. I don't know if as a kid I would have fully understood the plight of the Gorgons. Maybe I would, but I don't know. But as an adult, really rings true, you know?
2: No, hundred percent. I think you're right, and I think that that's what was so disappointing the first time I watched it. It's like, oh, you want me to feel bad for the monsters? You want <laughs> me to like the monsters? No, Major Chip Hazard is the coolest toy. Well, that's Major like something Chip cool Hazard that fucking sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, Major Chip Hazard's an asshole, and that's like what's cool about this satire as well is that it is a satire of corporate decisions like the corporate level of like how decisions are made and like how they don't give a shit about you and they just want to sell you shit uh and then also the war commentary and the war satire and how you think just because you understand on look the commando elite more you just assume they're the good guys where in reality there's nothing good about them they're evil they're out to destroy that is their main purpose whereas the gorgonites They're the good ones. They're the ones who we need to be, you know, listening to the ones that really need to be following. They
2: learn, they learn, they're smart. They, they adapt to their situation. Um, It's such a treat watching the like Archer, Archer's like kind of the one that we spend the most amount of time with, watching him as he, his intelligence develops and also how excited David Cross gets when he realizes that his, his toys are learning, like they're learning toys, not learning toys, but they're learning toys. Oh (laughs) baby. That's really cool.
1: Is there anything else that really needs to be said? Oh, there's one other line that was just insane. We have we talked already about the, you know, you're not like other girls and she goes back with, "I know," <laughs> yep. which is just yep. so fucking ridiculous. Like you would literally <laughs> yeah. hear that in film school if someone's trying to write. Like he literally he also calls her a cool like I think he calls her a cool girl at one point. Like, yeah, "You're like such yeah. a cool girl. You're not like other girls."
2: It's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 it is major cringe. And then um uh, it, it's major cringe And uh, you should that should be advised Going into this movie
1: <laughs> Yeah there's some big major cringe And then the other line that I love is from uh, Alan's mom, the lead's mom It's when he like has that moment In the kitchen at night where he's like Caught the like toys red handed or whatever And then they still don't believe him That the toys are moving or whatever And she says sweetie I have to ask you Dot 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 are you on crack? And she yeah. delivers it so like sitcom-y and so hammy and stuff. And I'm like, all right, come on, y'all. Let's let's get out of it. Let's not sit in that
2: stew for very much longer. That sucks. Yeah. We don't like that. But Yeah, the mom's also barely a character in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's barely a character. Uh, but it's fun, dude. It's a fun movie. I really like fun watching this movie. movie.
2: Yeah. Who's your So do you have fa- facts and then want to go into MVPs and such?
1: I absolutely do. I actually got a good amount of fast facts here. We already talked about the soundtrack as far as what's on it, but the soundtrack contained classic rock blended with hip-hop, a.k.a. Limp Bizkit, a.k.a. My Way or the Highway, a.k.a. Did It All for the Nookie Gold, uh, was released on July 7th, 1998 by DreamWorks Records. It peaked at number 103 on the Billboard Top 200. Uh, this movie featured Led Zeppelin, a band notoriously strict about how their music gets <laughs> used in films. Yep. And yet, it was there anyway. Led Zeppelin, I think, is eased up over time. But back in this day, pre them being on Spotify and whatever, big-time big, big time, uh, stinkers for that one. Mason, you're going to love this fast fact. Are you ready for this?
2: Okay, is this what you were teasing earlier?
1: Uh, I don't Before remember, the show? to
2: be honest. I don't remember, to be honest with you. Uh,
1: <laughs> Burger King teamed up with the film to promote their product, the Rodeo Burger. They created a line of kids' meals tied to the film. They were met with some controversy after the film received a PG-13 rating from the MPAA. Burger King executives claimed this caught the company by surprise, and they were led to believe the film would receive no higher than PG rating. While the pamphlet accompanying the toys included the disclaimer, while toys are suitable for children of all ages, the movie Small Soldiers may contain material that is inappropriate for younger children. Some restaurants accepted an exchange for Mr. Potato Heads. So, the Rodeo Burger... That was released in accordance with this movie. I don't fully understand how that is like a promotional thing for this because the soldiers are not like Texas good old boys, as far as I can tell. They're just like burly men, you know? Yeah. The Gorgonites are not, you know, fucking Southern drawl, you know, beauty queens, you know, Texas pearls or whatever. They're Gorgonites, they're aliens. Yeah. But I think the Rodeo Burger outlived its humble beginnings as a promotional item for for small soldiers because I think they kept it on the menu for a while
2: and you could just order it. I think you're right. That sounds right. Um or it's been on the menu since then and could still be there. I know people have their opinions about Burger King, that it's the worst of the fast food burger places, and that's not incorrect, but I have a lot of fondness for Burger King. (laughs) Because I'm gross.
1: What? what you, yes, you are. What is the what is the fondness for Burger King? Just real quick, and then I'll get so back to this
2: fast. So we would sometimes it was the closest like Burger Fast Food option when I was growing up, just proximity wise. Uh, and so we would go there a lot. My mom worked for Burger Legend Hand Up. My mom worked for Burger King when she was trying to pay for college because you could yes. do that in the seventies and eighties. And also when I my first apartment in the city was but a brisk walk. Uh, either from the train or just from the apartment itself to a Burger King. And so I went to that place a lot instead of making dinner for myself. Like, I would get home from school, like, take off my coat or whatever, and my backpack and be like, fuck, I don't want to make Easy Mac. I want to walk to Burger King. (laughs) And I was there when I learned about the Malaysian Airlines disaster. (laughs)
1: I understand why it has fondness for you now, because I, too, love the Asian Militian Airlines (laughs) Disaster. Couldn't tell you where I was, though, unfortunately, Mason, so maybe you like it more than me. Uh, But I also love Burger King as far as nostalgia is concerned, because my mom used to take me to a, like, Burger King version of the McDonald's Play Palace when I was a really little kid. It was a Burger King on one side, and then you go into the other side, and it's like a fucking jungle gym. Our so. Burger
2: King had something, had a play area as well, but our Burger King I really liked because it had like a small fountain in the middle of the restaurant that you could like, <laughs> throw your change into.
1: <laughs> you just love the idea of this fucking fountain being there and be like, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to swim the fountain and my mom's going to get pissed at me. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, a remake of Small Soldiers was in development <gasps> at what was then known as 20th Century Fox, now known, I believe, just as 20th Century Studios because it's owned by Disney. Called Toy Maggeden. <sighs> had to cough after reading that one. Uh, the script was purchased in January of 2014, and director Justin Lin was set to produce the film of all people. Oh, so, produce
2: it. Okay. Did it say he was going to direct it?
1: It didn't say he was going to direct it, but I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, it does say, okay, I am correct when I say it was set to produce the film. I bet you he was going to direct and produce. That was going to be my
2: guess, honestly, sure, just based on yeah, how. Sure, yeah, because I, I was, you said Small Soldiers remake, told Toy Toymageddon, and I'm just going, no thanks. And then you say produced and maybe directed by Justin Lin, and I'm like... You, gentlemen, you had my curiosity, <laughs> but now you have my attention.
1: <laughs> you have the le- What does he say in the social network? You have one ounce of my attention. Yeah, you have the least is. amount
2: possible that I can give or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's where I'm at with that as well. But the story was described to be set in a toy factory that runs amok. At the time, it was explicitly stated to be a remake of Small Soldiers, but... Due to the acquisition of 21st Century Fox by Disney in March of 2019, Disney later in August canceled the film along with over 200 projects, which was revealed as a intended remake of Small Soldiers. Mm. So when Disney buys 20th Century, 21st Century Fox, that goes out the window. Sad. We'll be fine without it, to be honest with yeah, you. I think yeah, Small yeah, Soldiers okay. exists nicely as its own IP, as its own one-off property. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We mentioned this before, but there were five cast members from the Dirty Dozen uh, doing voices in this movie. Ernest Borgnine, Jim Brown, Clint Walker, George Kennedy, and Dick Miller. Yes, Dick Miller was also in the Dirty Dozen. Um, and there would have been a sixth member originally doing Link Static, Richard Jekyll. But he passed away during principal photography. And Charles Bronson just straight up refused <laughs> to be in this movie. Is Charles Bronson still this? around?
2: I No, I think he died in 2015. Let me double check this. Uh, but he has passed, actually. And It wouldn't be in your silly toy movie. There, I, I don't. Uh, Two thousand three. Be... I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> I was farthest yeah. with going over when Charles Bronson passed away. But bum, he, bum, hey, he died at eighty-one, so he had a good long life there.
1: He had a long life. Don't know if it was a good one, but we would hope. Uh, Joe Dante originally wanted to cast Predator. The, wanted the cast of Predator to voice the uh, Commando Elite. Ooh. Schwarzenegger would have voiced Chip Hazard. Shane Ooh. Black would have voiced Kip Killigan. Carl Weathers would voice Butch Meathook. Jesse Ventura would voice Brick Bazooka. Sonny Landham would voice uh, would voice Black. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I'm sorry. That was part of Shane Black. I'm sorry. I got mixed up there. Sonny Landham would voice Nick Nitro. Okay. And Bill Duke would voice Link Static. Well, how do you feel about the, the Predator cast being cast instead?
2: I kind... I just be... I like the idea kind of of Predator versus Spinal Tap. I don't have any association or attachment to The Dirty Dozen I'm just because I've never seen the movie. And The Dirty Dozen versus Spinal Tap is a very strange um, matchup. I do think that Predator, who would win in a fight, the Predator uh, cast versus the... Spinal Tap cast is a more interesting approach to that, just because they're from generally the same time. You know, you got your uh, uh, you got your Predator nerds going up against your like comedy music nerds. Just a real nerds fight there. If it's the Predator crew, I'm okay with them with it being the Dirty Dozen bunch um, because it means that Tommy Lee Jones plays Chip Hazard, and I think if Arnold played Chip Hazard, it would be a little too ridiculous.
1: I would agree with that, actually. I would agree that the Arnold casting of Chip Hazard would just feel insane. Uh, but you know that there's a podcast out there devoted to explicitly what you just talked about. Him. Yeah. Okay, everyone, who would win in a fight? You got uh, Spinal Tap or Predator, and then you have one guy who's just like, it's got to be Spinal Tap. There's just no way Spinal Tap can lose, yeah. and it's a <laughs> fucking disaster of a show. Uh, on making the movie, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I, it was here. It was here. It was here. On making the movie, Joe Dante recalled, originally I wanted to make an edgy picture for teenagers, or when the sponsor but when the sponsor tie-ins came in the new mandate was to soften it up and be a kiddie movie. Too late, as it turned out, and there are elements of both approaches in there. Just before release, it was a purged of a lot of action explosions. So there was stuff that was left on the cutting room floor that was more crazy and more explosion oriented than what we get in the movie. And toward the end, there's some pretty big explosions in this movie for, like, this kind of
2: movie. It is kind of disappointing that we don't have the Small Soldiers explosion cut. I would really like it if Joe Dante could get his hands on that footage and get us the explosion cut of this movie. Now that there's, you know, you're not wanting for explosions in Small Soldiers, but man, the ones you get, it does just make you want more.
1: (laughs) You wonder how far he was able to fucking take some of that stuff, because... I would not be surprised if one of the things that got cut out of Small Soldiers was like literally the house being blown up. Like a house, yeah, yeah. like a level of the house, a story yeah. of the house being just dem- demolated by the commando elite, which would have yeah. been fucking sick. Uh, and then last uh, small, small fact, there are some scenes in this movie that were filmed in Orange, California in the Orange Circle where I went to college. Uh oh Uh oh also those are the same locations from that thing you do, which was also filmed in Orange, California. Uh so
2: Uh-oh. kinda crazy Kind That's so <laughs> twisted.
1: I'm always watching you, Orange California. <laughs> I'm always watching. Uh that's the end of my fast facts. Mason, what's your most valuable player or excuse me, Mercedes valuable player?
2: My Mercedes valuable player goes to Stan Winston's character design. He's the guy that did the design for the Gorgonites and the Commando Elites. Um, They're just so, I mean, they were fun toys when I was just enjoying them as just like kind of action figures, things to play with, toys, dolls, whatever the fuck you want to call it, and they rock as just characters. Um, I think that's mostly due to Stan Winston's character design there. Chef, who's your MVP?
1: Mason, you're not going to believe it? My Mercedes viable player is also Stan Winston. <laughs> 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 For literally pretty much the same reasons. I never played actually with the toys from Small Soldiers. I think I was too young to like mm-hmm. fully like ride that train. But the moments where they, you can tell that it's a puppet and not computer generated. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Those are the best moments in the movie. They're yeah. few and far between, they're small. But those, that's magic. When you can see the toy move under its own volition, not as a CGI piece of technology, Mm -hmm. doesn't really get much better than that for me, I think. And if you love movies, I think that those moments are special.
2: I think. Yeah, I agree. That's what, yeah. The amount of physical effects in this movie, the the physicality of this movie that you can like, you know, you could see a character pick up a toy and interact with it and it's not, There's some CGI stuff, definitely, but the fact that you are watching people interact with these things is really what puts it over the edge for me and makes it full recommend.
1: Damn. Damn. I love that this is a full recommend for you. This is going to be a conditional wreck for me. me. Uh, I think that this is not going to be everyone's cup of tea, but I think that you will know, just like with the album that we discussed today, you're either into it or you're not. And even if you are into it, there are some things about this movie that do not work. There are some things about this movie that feel dated. But there yeah. is more in this movie that doesn't feel dated and that does work than not work and feel dated. I really like this movie. I'm glad that I picked it and glad I gave it a second watch or a watch now that I'm 24. Now that I'm 24, okay? Not 23 anymore. 24. 24, 24 now. What's something funnier than 24? 25. Haha, <laughs> I'm going to say that next year. Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: but... It's a good conditional wreck for me. This isn't going to be everyone's cup of tea, but I do think if you vibe with it, if you bounce with it, you're going to bounce with it. So yeah. that's my wreck. Mason, we finished the fucking show. How
2: about that? First I time know. in what, five or six weeks? <laughs>
1: For the first time in a million and a half years. For, first the, first time ever. Time,
2: for the first time since last year.
3: Oh!
1: For the first time since last year. Mason, I haven't podcasted with you
2: since last year, Mason. Fuck. Can your Fuck! family hear you when you're screaming at me on the podcast?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so.
2: Honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mason,
1: Mason. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's, uh, let's do some plugs and let's wrap out the show. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. You, bum, can,
1: bum, you can find bum, bum, the show
2: at the links in the description. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Hot DeBicky. You can send an email to the show. Everybody wants to. Number two, get on the list at gmail.com. You can find my other podcast, The Barn, the podcast about The Shield, wherever you also get your podcasts. That's about what's up with me. Um, I'm reading Rick Perlstein's book, Reaganland. I'm 100 pages into it, and boy, oh, boy, that fella can really string a freaking piece of nonfiction here. So, Perlstein heads out there. Uh, check out Reaganland if you haven't read it. Nixon Land is fucking great, folks. Maybe a, a great bit of nonfiction. Very readable. Get that also on audiobook. Noe, what's up with you?
1: Thanks for asking, Mason. Uh, You can follow me on... Oh, before I give you my plugs, Mason, this is what the crazy situation was that I told you before the show that I wanted to say on the show and I forgot to say. So here's how I watched this movie. Here's how I watched Small Soldiers. Are you ready for this? Yes. Finished eating dinner last night. I come downstairs... I get in my pajamas, my pajamas.
2: Jam jams, okay.
1: My jam jams, my jams. I sit in that chair over there that you can't see. Mm-hmm. I sit in that chair right there. What's up uh, What's up, chair? And I start the movie. And about halfway through, I know, yep, I'm going to fall asleep during this. <laughs> I am going to fucking pass out. And I am so close to doing so. So in an effort to try and... N- like not have to go back and rewatch things And like you know try and muscle through it I go fuck it So I pause And I just let myself fall asleep in the chair Yeah. So I'm falling asleep in the chair I don't know what time it is either And about I'm gonna guess it was two hours later I yeah. wake up And I'm like fuck I don't know what time it is But it's completely dark outside Guess I'll walk into my bed And continue to sleep in my bedroom <sighs> So I do I walk into my bedroom and I sleep in my bed, and I wake up because I have to pee, but when I wake up to have to pee, I'm not groggy, and I'm not like, you know, like, where am I? I feel like I'm completely awake, like, which is rare. Mm-hmm. So I go to the bathroom, I go to pee, and I'm like, I'm not tired. What time is it? What fucking time is it outside? It's still dark. I check my phone. It's four in the morning. <laughs> and I'm just like awake. So I'm like... I don't want to go back to sleep. I guess I'm awake. I guess I'm starting my day at four in the fucking morning this morning. So I go back out to the chair that I was sitting in previously, and I'm like, I guess I'll just finish watching Small Soldiers. I guess like I have to finish watching the movie. So at four thirty this morning, <laughs> I finished watching Small Soldiers. Great way to start the day because the second yeah. half of the movie is where things really take off. Then I'm like, okay. I guess I should try and get some more sleep. So I go back into my bedroom, go, I I don't really even feel tired. And then I sleep for three more hours. And I wake up and it's 1030 in the morning, basically. Maybe like 10, I don't know. And I'm like, that was the worst night of my whole life. That fucking sucked. And I'm not making any of that up. That actually happened, dude. That rocks. So that's how I watched small soldiers. I don't recommend watching small soldiers that way. But you can follow me on Instagram <laughs> at Noah.marger. Follow me on Twitter at Noah.marger. Follow me on Letterboxd, Moa Narger. Follow me on follow the YLG page on, on Instagram, YLG world, YLGWorld at world. excuse me. That's dot with a period, not dot spelled out D O T. Uh, you can listen to my other podcast. The barn. Oh, I almost said that I was the barn. That was crazy. (laughs) You can listen to my other podcast, my favorite podcast. Uh, You can listen to the episode coming out later this week where I talk to former guest and friend of this show, Jack Freiberger, about Mm. the show Community, which used to (gasps) air on NBC.
2: Oh, wow. That's going to be a good episode.
1: It'll be fun. We haven't recorded yet. We're actually recording tomorrow uh-huh. uh, as we are recording this as the crow flies, so to speak. So you can listen to all that on all your podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and my other little recommendo this week, look up A Life in Questions Wisdom with Aaron Chen on YouTube.
2: Gotcha. That's Life all I'm going to say. Wisdom with it's Aaron a great Chen little vid. YouTube. Awesome. Folks, as we end up the show every single week, black lives matter black trans lives matter especially after this nonsense abolish defund the police fuck Donald Trump if he's even the president still (laughs) by this point happy fucking birthday Noe Marger I love doing this show with you buddy I love that you're always ready and just keep this ship rolling I think more than I do Uh, it's just such a treat to do this with you every week I love you buddy and good night, everyone we'll see you next week Love you, Mason. Bye, everyone.
3: Didn't I say to you not too recent? It was never going to stay. It was never going to stay here. You're like the moon in a basket of wheat. You rose out of the roses right under my mouth. And I would cry from this petty little town. Shine back, we will notice though you never owed us. So passionately painted creatures were met to descend from the bleachers without much more than a promise. Well, you got it in your guts, stinking I could taste it in your paint
0: when you left and when you came. And I could remark upon that I'm
3: feeling, but that won't make it real. So many ways, so many ways, the feel of your honey in the corner of my mouth, like a loop around the block, like a shadow in your notebook, oh come on, it's based in rhyme, doesn't matter, now we pause the tape for some laughter, I won't accept the seed any further, I will